Hello, and welcome to episode 223 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Alicia W., Matthew S., Verdina L., and KCM to The Modern Manager community. I hope you'll consider joining our growing community of managers who are supporting the show. At $5 a month, you can think of it as contributing one or two fancy coffees to demonstrate your appreciation for the podcast. Or at $15 a month, you get additional resources to support your professional development. So head on over to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more. Today's guest is Brian Rolnick-Fox. Brian is the founder, CEO, and chief evangelist of Nimble Learning Strategies. Brian has been using improvisation as a channel for individual growth, group development, and organizational success since 1999. He has delivered communication and leadership programs for a diverse set of organizations, from Fortune 100 companies to educational institutions, some of which include Citibank, Goodyear, Dartmouth College, and Harvard Business School. Brian and I talk about what we can learn from the field of comedic improv to help us be better communicators. We get into specific behaviors, mindsets, principles, and tactics that can help us connect and collaborate better. Plus, we have a lot of fun. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brian. I'm really excited to talk with you because you are not only an expert in this field and what we're going to talk about, but you are also a really close friend and a, kind of an in-law of an in-law in our family dynamics. So, you know, you yes, and I have had, exactly. yeah, we've had so many conversations over the years and I'm excited to uh, get to share this one with my whole audience. Awesome. Looking forward to it myself. All right. So we are going to talk about communication skills and specifically kind of how we can use improv and the skills that you have a background in to help ourselves be better communicators and collaborate more effectively with our teams. So why don't you start by just laying out what are some of the challenges and the struggles that you have seen people have, especially managers, when it comes to communication and collaboration? And then we'll get into how improv can help address those. Yes, uh, happy to do so. So one of my recent clients as a real estate property management company, and I think they're sort of emblematic of a, of a lot of what I, not all, but what, a lot of what I hear. And not surprisingly, it's around lack of effective communication, especially across departments, right? So people from one manager has to talk to another manager or, you know, one colleague has to talk to another colleague. So some of that's happening. And that's partly because people are speaking different languages, right? So the marketing department doesn't know how to talk to the engineers because they literally think and speak differently, right? Mm. And so... So that can be across different industries. And I've had that in automotive industries, pharmaceutical companies, that, that, that's a, across industries that can be an issue. And I think for managers, I think another thing that I hear is that sometimes they themselves get so wrapped up in what they're trying to achieve that they forget to be human. And they're not trying to be jerks necessarily, although I'm sure there are jerks out there, but they're not necessarily trying to be jerks. They're just so, so focused on the, the goal or what they're trying to get done, that they, they they forget their empathy, they forget humanity, they forget their own personality. Even myself, I'm guilty of it. I, just as a quick example, uh, many, many years ago, I was working on a project, this is bef- before like 
way before the pandemic and before we were even really using Zoom. It was mostly over like phone calls. I was working with, with colleagues in Australia and I just figured like, okay, we're on the call for business reasons. Like, let's get at it. Let's get things done. And so that's just how I, how I approached it. And we did really well and the project, it was good. Great. And then fast forward a year later, we're all at the company retreat and I was first time meeting them in person and we're hanging out, we're having a good time. And I can't do a really good Australian accent, but if I could, it'd be like, hey, Brian, you're a bit of, we thought you're a bit of a wanker, <laughs> but now we realize you're a good guy. You know, like they, they didn't see that side of me. They didn't see my human side because I was so focusing on getting things done. And the, the conversation that happened is like, yeah, it was a good project, but imagine how much more we could have done had we got to know each other. Right. So I think that that is a, a problem that we all have, that we all have to constantly be thoughtful about how are we bring you know, enough of our human side to, to this thing called work. Oh my gosh. And it's especially hard when you're trying to do that over Zoom, right? It's harder to communicate. It's yeah. harder to notice when people aren't tracking or following along when you're speaking those different languages that you started with. And it's harder to just have that human connection. So wh- what do we do about it? Oh, wise Brian. Oh, let me ponder, pontificate. Um, and I'll just, before I get into the, how do we solve it, I think we also need to be thoughtful about, we don't really realize, or, or maybe we even know it, but we don't really think about it enough about how much it really impacts everything in the work that we do. It impacts productivity, employee engagement, attrition, problem solving, innovation, revenue, obviously. So it, we think it's just like this, quote unquote, soft skill. Right. But I think the soft skills are actually some of the harder skills to learn. Anyway, that said, so how do we solve for it? So I think one thing is one of the exercises I use with my clients when I'm working with teams or larger groups is I ask everybody, think of the color blue. So I say, okay, don't say anything, just say, think of the color blue. And then I say, and so everyone who's listening right now, I want you to think of the color blue. Think of the color blue. And then at the count of three, I will ask everybody to shout out the first shade that came to mind when they when they thought of blue, what came to mind to them, right? And so then everybody will yell out, and it's always a variety of shades of blue. It's aqua and navy and you name it, Facebook blue, Twitter blue, you know, whatever. And so my point in that exercise is that we are all individuals. We're all, all taking in and putting out information into the world in different ways because we are individuals. And we're, we forget that we're, we're in communication about whether it's a challenge or whether it's a goal that we're trying to, to, to move towards. We are all calling that goal or that challenge, quote unquote, blue. But because I'm in marketing, right, I'm seeing it as navy blue, but I'm in engineering. So I see it as, you know, periwinkle. I don't know, whatever shade, right? So they're all talking about the same. They think they're talking about the same blue, but they're really not because they see things differently. And so I think part of what I would offer to people is to pause and say, like, what shade is your blue? Like, just ask that question and have that as sort of a quick signal, a quick shorthand for people to say, hey, we're talking about this thing, but how are you seeing it? How might you be seeing it differently than me? And, and also to offer yourself, hey, we're from marketing, so we see it like this, X, Y, Z. Oh, that gives, allows the engineering people to go, oh, well, we see it. One, two, three. Oh, okay, great. Now where can we figure out where the Venn diagram map, map matches together so we can solve the problem? or whatever it may be. So that's sort of how I would begin to address that from a from that perspective. I'm um, going talk, talk more about the improv, but I'll pause there and see what your thoughts are about what I said so far. Yeah, I love this because it really, it gets to, I think, kind of two key things that we tend to run past. And the first is specificity. 
and Mm -hmm. making sure that we are actually taking the time to describe and define upfront what we mean when we say something and what success looks like when we write a goal, what measures we're going to be using to determine if we were successful or whatever it might be. I think it's it's easy for us to kind of just use some generic language and be like, yep, we got it, but not take that time to to drill down. And it really shows the importance of accurate language. I'm so glad you said specificity because we'll get to the bigger ideas about improv in a minute. But one of the sort of more tactical things about improv is to be specific. If you and I are in a scene together, Mamie, right? And and I say, look at that. Well, you don't know what that is. Is it a bird? Is it Superman? Is it what the is it a penny on the ground? Like, right? So I have to say, look at that coin on the ground, look at that lottery ticket. I have to be very specific. So I'm offering something to my partner. That's part of the part of one of the accents in improv is to be specific and offer something to your partner. And I think you're you're nailing that on the head. And and that's part of what you're already talking about as well. It's great. Yeah, I'm so curious if you took your blue exercise and you said, okay, name a shade of blue. Now, everyone, think of a shade of dark blue, right? Just mm. giving that extra layer, would that like interesting. start bringing people together? Would more people then say navy? And if you said, think of a shade of extra dark or super dark <laughs> blue, right? We would get to a point where everyone would name the same color because we were able to get specific. We were able to use the right language that would get us all aligned. So, you know, maybe for your next <laughs> presentation. Yeah, the next iteration. Yes. Okay. The second thing I don't want to I don't want to miss though is the idea of getting to the why. And I, I don't know if this was embedded or if this is just where my brain goes, but I feel like a lot of times when we're missing each other, it's because our perspectives are different because the things that we think are important are different. So, by saying, "Hey, this is how I'm interpreting this. This is what seems important to me. This is why I'm taking this perspective. We can then put all that information on the table. And as you said, find the Venn diagram where things are overlapping and where we have differences, but maybe those differences are actually really important and we just need to acknowledge them so we can all be holding that together as we're doing our work. Absolutely. hundred percent, right? Marketing people, they shouldn't be fluent in engineering language and engineering people shouldn't be fluent in marketing language, but they just should know and acknowledge, oh gosh, we see things and speak about things differently. How do we how do we bridge that gap together? Absolutely, hundred percent. All right, so let's jump into some more of these improv tools because I love sure. this one around specificity of not ever just saying like that seems really important. Like, well, what seems really important? Right. So first, let me start with saying I use improv both from a, a high level. So it may not be directly improv, but it's improv because I know improv and I'm translating it to civilians. And I also use improv very, very specifically about using improv and teaching what I call civilians, people who are not actors, teaching them the the foundation principles of improv so that they can then trans and I help them translate it into how to use that at work. But part of that is getting people comfortable just with the fact that improv could be a tool for them. And so what I like to say to people are two things. One is that we are all improvisers all time, all the time, right? And because we are, we have stimuli being thrown at us and we're responding to it. And we're making as honest choices as we can in the moment, right? It's our kids, our colleagues, our boss, the person at the grocery store, right? And we're in that moment, we're making a choice based on what was given to us. That's at the heart of improv, right? And the second piece is improv has guidelines. Like people think of it as like just Will Ferrell or Tina Fey or Wayne Brady just being funny. And they are very talented people, but they are following guidelines, right? When they're at the Groundlings or when they're at Second City, they're following guidelines. And so it's like playing a sport. Every basketball game you ever play 
Every single one is different. There's never one that's exactly the same as the other one, right? And that's because you're following guidelines, but then you're moving and making different choices based on what's happening in that moment. And that's that's at the heart of it. So just to kind of get people to relax into that, that we already ha- have whatever we need relative to improv because we do it all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think this is such an important mindset to have because when I think about improv, I'm like, my heart is racing. And I'm like, I do not put me on a stage and then ask me to like do something. I'm definitely the person in the audience that is sitting on my hands, hoping that no one picks me. And I can imagine that, you know, trying to do, you know, those same things kind of in a business setting. Well, I mean, first, I feel so much more comfortable in general in a business setting. But as soon as you say, like, we're going to do improv or we're going to use principles of improv, I'm like, "Mm, maybe not. So to reframe is like, actually, all we do is improv. Every time we're in a meeting and we're in a conversation, we're, we're improvising, right? Every time we get new information and we're deciding what to do with that, we're in some ways improvising. So it's, it is very helpful to feel like this is a totally natural thing. And if we can apply some rules to it when we're engaging with others, it can be even easier and done even better. Absolutely. And, and what I often say to people, not often, every single time I say, I'm not asking you to be Brian. I'm not asking you to be Brian, you know, Wayne Brady or Tina Fey or whomever. I'm asking you to be you inside this. So if this feels uncomfortable, you that's okay. I'm just asking you to stretch a little bit and be you know, stretch out outside your comfort zone just a little bit. So maybe you're not going to jump up and down, but can you, can you, can you give me a wave, even if you're not going to jump and down as an example, as a quick example, right? So definitely want people to kind of come in who they are and then stretch themselves a little bit. And again, we have to do that in every part of our life, you know, from the moment we're born till throughout the rest of our life. And just as an example, I'll just give a quick example. I get people about what I'd usually do a, a big group exercise first um, to get people comfortable and having fun and laughing and getting the, the basic premises down. But then I move and say, okay, can I get six volunteers to do this or five volunteers to do that? And one of the exercises that I do, basic improv exercise that anybody who's taken an improv class has learned, it's called the machine. And basically we get six people up on their feet, standing in a semicircle, and each person has to do a sound and a movement. So they might be flapping their arms like a bird and going, or whatever, whatever, whatever goofy sound and symbol and gesture they want to make. And they have to do that repeatedly, but they have to do it. The goal, the point of concentration, the, the, the problem they're trying to solve for is to do it in such a way that they are in sync with each other, right? That's what we're, that's what we're trying to strive for. And so part of improv is really just like, what's the challenge and how do we solve for that challenge? And so they have to figure out, how does that work? And then I, as the facilitator, say, okay, you're starting out right now. What it, you found your base level. That's level five. And 10 is the fastest and one is the slowest. And then I put them through the different paces of going faster and slower. Then they have to continue to adjust and figure out, okay, okay, what, what, and we knew what a five was. What the heck is a seven? And they have to kind of like pace each other and figure each other out, listen and look and learn and feel, feel out that rhythm for each other. What's a one? I don't know what a one is. What, what's a two? And, they, and then over time, they kind of figure that out. And so the lessons learned is they have to listen. They have to look. They have to feel for the rhythm of what's happening in the moment. They have to keep pace with the group and they have to figure out, do I speed up? Do I slow down? And again, in some version or another, we do that all the time in, in the world, right? We're in a meeting and we're, we're getting a sense, hopefully getting a sense of that vibe. How is my boss how is this energy shifting? How, how is my colleague, how is she shifting? What's happening here, right? We're reading those nonverbal cues and we're trying to pick up on those cues to then, then actually check in with each other, whether it's in person or virtual saying, hey, I'm just noticing that 
the conversation shift a little bit. Can we, can we talk about this for a moment? Right. So we're doing that kind of stuff all the time. I'm just helping people to acknowledge that and, and sharpen their skills around doing those things. I love this. And I'm imagining one, I would never be the person to volunteer, but two, I think this is such a great example of getting people to kind of work together and use our senses, which I think sometimes we subconsciously are doing, but not kind of proactively doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, two things about this. One, I've worked with Goodyear and their senior global information technology team, right? So these are people who've been in tech their whole lives. They're global leaders. They're, you know, both stereotypically as well as self-admitted, most of them improv was not comfortable for them, right? Somewhere, a few people were. And part of that is, is the work of how can we do this together as a group? How can we step into this uncomfortable zone as a group? And that we're, play, we're creating a safe space for each other. And part of what I do is use an improv ritual that we all, almost every improviser knows, which is, I got your back, right? And that means that when before we go into rehearsal, before we go on stage, we literally tap each other on the back and say, I got your back. And it means whatever you throw out there, I'm going to support it. I'm going to yes and you on whatever that whatever that is. And together, we're going to figure it out together. And that simple ritual really helps people both on stage, but also in these workshops, helps people feel like, okay, we're going to be a little silly. We're going to do something different, but it's going to be okay. And we're going to try something new. It's going to be okay. And I think that's that's important to current in any situation, especially for, for leaders or managers. How can you create a safe space, right? You might have your teammates or peers that don't feel comfortable doing something. They might be stepping into a new role. They might be taking on a new project. Maybe they're not admitting to you that this feels uncomfortable to them. But how can you create a safe space where they might be able to even admit that to you so then you can then coach them through that process? And even if appropriate, even share your own vulnerability of feeling like, gosh, this feels a little uncomfortable for me too. And I think you would, I'm sure in talking with a lot of your guests, you'll, you'll know that the more that we can actually share an appropriate amount of vulnerability that opens other people up to share their vulnerability. And then we can actually build something from that versus if we're just stay behind our walls, a lot less gets done. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now I'm totally inspired that I will be the person who will raise my hand and I'll say, this is really hard for me, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I hope everyone else will join me in coming up and trying this thing out and stretching ourselves and being a little uncomfortable. So thank you for that, that inspiration. Awesome. But also I love, I love this idea of I've got your back, right? If every team member knew that anything they said in a meeting, any mistake that they made or any idea that they threw out, even if it ultimately, you know, wasn't the best thing in the world and we were all like, you know, gung-ho about it, to just know like, hey, I got your back. And like, we're going to figure this out together. Like, what a powerful mindset and element of your culture and environment that you would create with your team to be able to have all kinds of conversations for people to really stretch and grow and share. I mean, that, if we could just like apply that concept and really regularly, I love that you were saying you do this before you go on to any performance, right? It's it's not something you did once at the beginning with your troop and say like, we got this. Absolutely. Absolutely. But right. To keep and I think it doesn't, it doesn't, it can be, you know, it can, it can be literally that I got your back or it can be other things. I just as a quick story, uh, a friend of mine, his name is Sean Cavanaugh. He's the former CEO of the Ariel Group. And, you know, he gave out carabiners 
those little hooky things when you go hiking to symbolize that we're all climbing the mountain together towards our goal for the year, for the company's goals, and that we're all clipped in together. And he had this poster of this like funny little mountaineer climbing the mountain and you could see their goals rising throughout the year. And that was like a symbol for everyone to literally grab onto and hold onto, right? So that he did that. But then it's more than just the symbol or the gesture or the pat on the back. You've got to make it real. You got to go out there and actually support each other. Look for signs of people being stressed, um, help people prioritize, pick up that task when that other person's swamped and support them, extend a deadline when you can, when it's appropriate. Like those are the things that actually makes that got your back real because then then that supports the actual culture growing. So good. All right. So let's shift a little bit because I'm imagining that there are some folks who are listening who are like, oh my gosh, if we could bring Brian in to do this with our team, it would be awesome. But I don't have the budget or I don't live in a place where I can easily get access to Brian. So if you want to try to apply some of these concepts to your team, what is a way that we can get started either with some activities or some conversations to start to bring in these ideas or kind of give us some practice or some tools for for managers to use with their teams? Thank you. Great, great question. So I think you can borrow that what shade is your blue, right? And use that as a, as a shorthand with folks. Another thing to do is, is how can you, especially if you're, if you're trying to solve for a problem or you're brainstorming or things of that nature, how can you open people up to begin with? And in improv, we say yes and. We mean that the yes is to accept. It doesn't always mean to agree, but it means to accept what the other person's saying. And then and is the adding and contributing more. Right. Um, and so one way to do that is something called word ball. You get a small little soft ball, kids toy, and you toss it around the table and you just do free association. So one person starts and picks out a word vacation or, uh, you know, the color blue or uh, Ethiopia, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever word. And then you just free associate people. You toss the ball to somebody else. And what they say, the first word that comes to their mind, it may be inspired by what they said. It may be a chess move and they're jumping one or two steps ahead. It may be a random thought. doesn't matter. It's just free association. And you do that. And in doing that, it builds, it builds the muscles of being open to a trusting yourself that I'm just going to say something and it's going to land and B that we're going to make connections. And the human mind is a pattern making machine. We make patterns all the time. That's what psychology tells us. And so almost every single time I do it, people will, they will create some sort of pattern and we will get from Ethiopia all the way to back to Zimbabwe simply because, and we never even left the continent of Africa simply because we talked about vacations and gardening and uh, playgrounds. And then somehow we got back to the continent of Africa, right? Because human beings want to make those patterns. And then that will help you to feel connected to yourself, feel connected to the team, open yourself up to creativity, problem solving, forming patterns. So that's just one simple way just in five minutes at the beginning of a meeting to make people feel a little bit more open and free and no judgment and practicing no judgment, practicing not judging yourself, practicing not judging others. Yeah. Again, I feel like this is such a great example of an activity that, one, doesn't have any right answers, right? So, it, And it doesn't have any kind of weight or importance for your work. So you can do this with your team and people can feel a sense of lightness or freedom. Like they're not going to screw it up. Like, as you said, they can offer out anything, any word, and it's going to land and they are not going to get judged for it and they're not going to have to freak out about it. So I love that we can take some time in the start of our meetings or 
you know, at, at different configurations to to bring in things that aren't about work and just create that sense of togetherness and, and the lightness that comes from getting our juices flowing when there's nothing at stake. Absolutely. And I'll just say this, this is not necessarily a particular activity, but just sort of a, a an awareness to keep in mind, which is, can we look for inside jokes within the team, right? If something happens and we're and, and it's naturally funny and joking around, how we create inside jokes without any, no one writes inside jokes, right? With your friends or family, you don't write as an inside joke. You don't rehearse it for six weeks. It just happens. And then you repeat it every couple of weeks or a couple of months. So can you, as a, as a team, be open to looking for inside jokes and don't force it, you know, just let it happen organically, but then nurture that when that happens. And that ha- that will help us feel connected, help us feel bonded. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I feel like I haven't talked about inside jokes since I was like 13. <laughs> right. Yes, but I'm sure you have something with your siblings, with your cousins, with your family, with your friends. You have those things that are that are sort of those quick shorthand things of of uh, green beans, <laughs> oh green beans, and you know whatever green beans means to you, right? You know uh, from that one time when somebody spit out green beans or whatever, you know. So it 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 is a a great quick shorthand to feel to help people feel connected. Oh yes, it definitely does. And if my younger sister is listening, I'll say the movie Eddie. That's our, our inside joke. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, this was so much fun. And I feel like I learned so much. I got some really good new tools to use in my communications toolbox. So we got to wrap up, though. So, Brian, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? Yes, absolutely. So I'm lucky enough to have several actually really good managers, but one in particular is Elsa Powell-Strong. And Elsa is not an improviser. She's not an actor. She is a trained opera singer, but she's not any kind of actor. And yet she embodies the principles of imp- improvisation. When I met her, I couldn't believe she would say things. I'd be like, how did you know that? You know, she never took an improv class in her life. And so obviously I have my own special reason. But the reason why is that she she had n- no judgment. She was so supportive. She liked to laugh. She did this great thing for our team where she created a charter. And she said, okay, we are going to together create a team of how do we want to show up with one another and with the rest of our colleagues. And, you know, we created it together and then that was our charter. And maybe not every meeting, but I would say probably at least once a month, once every couple of months, we would, we would reflect on that charter. Are we showing up in this way? Or if we were having a challenging decision, we'd say, hey, let's go back to that charter. Is this how we need to show up to ourselves, to one another, to our teammates and colleagues in other parts of the organization? And uh, I always... I've always taken that as a huge lesson. So Elsa Paula Strong, if you're listening, you're awesome. Oh, sounds amazing. And where can people learn more about you, Brian, and keep up with your work? The main place is nimblelearningstrategies.com, nimblelearningstrategies.com. And the other place is LinkedIn, Brian Rolnick Fox. Uh, you can find me there, or you can find Nimble Learning Strategies on LinkedIn. I do a little bit of Twitter, but not a lot. And I'm not on the gram. I'm not so hip and cool. So just find me on LinkedIn or or reach out to me via my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. This was really such a fun conversation. I had a blast. I'm so glad you had me on. It was a pleasure. Brian is offering a one-pager on using improv techniques to improve communications. And this guest bonus is available to members of the Modern Manager community at the Sprout level or above. To join the community, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And just a friendly reminder that the membership system is changing on October 1st, so head on over to get the newest member benefits. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. 
Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.